You're listening to. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Sex Gets Real. Sex Gets Real. Sex Gets Real. Sex Gets Real. With Don Sarah. With Don Sarah. Thanks. Bye. Hey listeners, Dawn Sarah here with this week's episode of Sex Gets Real. I am so excited for this one. So before we jump in, first I want to let you know, make sure that you go to exploremoresummit.com and sign up for the summit. 30 hour-long talks from the world's leaders in sex, relationships, emotions, communicating kink, it's really good this year. Um, in fact, there's so much about it that's good and life-changing. I am going to be changing the way that I do sex advice, the way that I even experience like touch and pleasure in my personal life. It's just like there's so, so much. So I want you to check it out. Exploremoresummit.com. Also, a huge thank you to those of you who have been popping over to Patreon to support the show. Every single time I see a new notification, it literally feels like (laughs) pure elation. Like, it just feels so good knowing that you want to support the show and that you like the work that I'm doing. Um, I have to get through the summit, but then I have some really fun things planned for Patreon supporters. Um, And last week, there was even a little special behind the scenes clip that uh, Patreon supporters got. So if you want to support the show, even if it's just a dollar a month, um, that would be amazing. You can go to patreon.com slash sex gets real. This week, there's also a listener confession, which you will hear in just a second. And then after the confession, I will come back and tell you all about Madison Young. Have you ever seen a customer be a real jerk to a store clerk? Back during my van days, I took a day job in the 7-Eleven so that I could have my nights free. And when I was there, I heard it all and saw it all. Even worse than I ever did at a gig. Those were some of the meanest customers I've ever seen. And I'm sorry to say that while some of them are women, most of them and the meanest of them, were all men. But maybe that's just because, you know, it's one thing to get in a spat with a woman, but a man could hurt me in a way that a woman just couldn't. Taken by themselves, the stuff they did didn't really seem that bad. It was pretty ridiculous. For instance, they would just kind of mumble, ugly bitch, ugly bitch, while I rang the cash register, but couldn't look me in the eye and admit they'd said it. Or they'd ask me for a pack of Marlboro cigarettes, wouldn't tell me which kind, and make me show them all the 10 or 11 kinds that we had behind the counter before they took a box right off of the little counter display and threw it straight at my boobs. Toward the end of the day, it really started to add up. And after months and months, I really started to feel worried about not just going to work, but about talking to men in general. You see, I had the similar thing going on in my band. That's another story. And in my primary relationship, too. So the three biggest parts of my day were spent with men whom I really just wanted a good interaction with and couldn't get. What I wanted so much to happen in that 7-Eleven was for a male customer to just come in and be polite to me. No eye-rolling, no mumbling, no smirking. Just look me in the eye and say, Hi, how you doing today? Well, there was one customer who did. He was kind of a quiet and shy fellow. Kind of looked like a mountain man, a bear type with a beard and flannel shirt. And I always liked it when he came in because he was the one bright spot of niceness in my day. I'd come home in the afternoon after my shift and lie on the floor and cry myself to sleep. I thought my co-worker, who was tall and willowy with big blue eyes, was their favorite and that they liked her and just didn't like me. But I met up with her 
about five years after I managed to quit. She gained weight and got color in her face, and she told me it was because she quit. She came home and threw up after all of that abuse all day long. I was glad to know it wasn't aimed at me personally, but I did kind of wonder. If they would treat her like that, too, what did it mean about them? So many mean men, so difficult to deal with, and so hurtful. I knew that I'd gotten bitter, and I needed to heal myself. So before I put myself in contact with real men, I decided to do something on my own to make myself feel more comfortable with them. I wanted to see men in a completely different context and interact with them and experience them in a completely different way than I had. Specifically, I wanted to see some naked. Now in those days, most of the porn available was either Playgirl or it was the porn that had the plastic female stereotypes in them that I just didn't want to see. And then that left gay porn. Although the men weren't there for me and I could tell, there was still plenty of opportunity to see men unarmored in an erotic context and at their very best. So every once in a while, I would go to the one porn shop we had in town and go into the gay section, which was set off from the rest of the store in its own little glass-enclosed area. One day, no different from any other day really, I went in, and as I passed through the door, a, a man passed to the side of me on the way out, and I heard his voice. How you doing? He sounded a little scared, as I would imagine he would. My gut reaction was that it was awesome to know somebody who came in here and did the same thing I did. It was validating to have a man see me in a porn shop and totally, be totally okay with it, even though it didn't dawn on me right away who he was. I looked over to return the greeting, and there, of all people, was my customer. My one customer who was nice to me, with a gay bear magazine in his hand. As he walked on by me and went on, the implication sank in. The one guy who was nice to me, all day long in that place, was the one for whom sex was not on the table. What was it about my sexuality that made all those men want to be mean to me? Well, that dark period of my life did eventually pass. I met higher quality men and forged better relationships with them. And I also learned some things about why those men acted the way they did. But at the time, it really contributed to my losing faith in men. Thank you so much for sending in that submission. That was by Polyhedron, and that was for February's theme of confessions. So it just made it in. The March theme will be going out in just a couple of days to all of the newsletter subscribers for Sex Gets Real. So stay tuned for that. I can't wait to get your March submissions. And now we are going to jump into my interview with the incredible, the amazing Madison Young. I'm sure loads of you are familiar with her, but let me tell you a little about her and what she does. And then we will jump in because we're talking about BDSM and submission and surrender and porn, 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 porn. So it's a really fun week. Madison Young is an artist and activist dedicated to creating space for revolutionary love this body-based performance artist grew up in the suburban landscape of Southern Ohio before moving to San Francisco in 2000. Since then, this Midwestern gal has dedicated her days to facilitating safe space, to dialogue on the topic of fringe identities and cultures, as well as documenting healthy expression of sexuality. Young's breadth of work in the realm of her artistic manifestations intersects the fields of sexuality, identity, and pornography. Her work spans from documenting our sexual culture in her internationally screened and award-winning feminist erotic films to having served as the artistic director of the forward-thinking nonprofit arts organization Femini Potens Art Gallery for over a decade. 
You can check out Young's memoir, Daddy, which was published in February 2014. And Madison lives and creates in Berkeley, California, where she also recently completed her book, The DIY Porn Handbook, which we talk about a lot in this episode. So enjoy. Make sure you go check out the Explore More Summit. It starts March 8th. And also pop over to Patreon. Welcome to the show, Madison. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I saw that you were just a judge at Briefs, which was an erotic film competition. And I'd love to hear how that went. That was super exciting. I I always, I love, love, love um, erotic film uh, competitions and erotic film screenings. Um, I, I truly love more than anything seeing erotic film on the big screen um, and uh, coming together with other people in the same room and watching um, erotic film. I think uh, my experiences in um, performance and theater and, and events and I just I love the gathering of people together um, watching sex. I think that's so important. I totally agree. I went to one uh, porn festival maybe two summers ago. It was the Queer Porn Film Festival in Brooklyn that Courtney Trouble put on. And um, it was my first opportunity to be in a shared public space and to watch all of these incredibly diverse films and then to talk about them. And Jis Lee was there and Stoya were there. And so then we got to to ask questions with the performers and the filmmakers. And it was just such like an incredible bonding, intimate experience, but also just like so refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, a huge step in uh, destigmatizing sex and bodies and sexuality and, and really opening the conversation mm-hmm. around sex um, so much when we all come together and watch um, together and we're able to, to, it's a great catalyst for that dialogue. Yeah, I think that traditional porn and mainstream porn and just kind of the way that a lot of people use porn is so steeped in like shame and secrecy. And, you know, it's something you do alone at night when you're when your spouse is in bed. And and so to be able to actually like do this as an act of of sharing and to do it proudly is is just refreshing and we need more of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm wondering if there were any standouts that um, you really loved, like little things that surprised you or or um, something that was new for you that you saw that a filmmaker had done, anything that you might be able to share? Uh, um, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I thought a, a really nice um, element of, um, of briefs was that um, that it, it was so diverse and so very different. Um, some of the work wasn't necessarily um, sexual mm-hmm. film. Um, you know, it was um, was talking about sex or addressing sex versus um, showing graphic depiction of of sex. Um, and there was a really large gamut of um, uh, how professional or amateur a film was. Um, there were definitely some some beginners that were in there and then there were very polished professionals that have been around as long as I have like Erica Lust Mm. um, had a film that was in the festival Um, so that was really nice as well to see um, films um, in such a range um, from from the filmmakers so that was was really great Um, I did I always love Erica Lust films and I, I thought she had an excellent um, film in, in the uh, competition, um, which was a, uh, <laughs> it was, I, I know that often she does films that are inspired by um, questions that people have about sex or sexuality. And it started off with um, if, if a woman is menstruating, um, does it make a vampire want to um, 
eat her. Yes. Or, um, <laughs> or uh, make love to her or something like that. And it was this whole, like, very well done, like, extremely <laughs> well shot uh, vampire um, cunnilingus um, minstrel blood uh, scene that was beautiful. Yeah. It was really, really beautiful. I had a chance to see that one. Oh, um, you did? <laughs> yeah, maybe like a month ago. And I remember yeah. being like so surprised, but also there was so much humor in it and kind of this like little wink at the end. And yeah. oh, yeah, how wonderful to just like eroticize menstrual blood and also use kind of these like modern romance themes of like vampires. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like it really smashed some uh, taboos there and that it, it also was just extremely so lovely to watch so well shot um the cinematography was amazing um it was really beautiful (laughs) well speaking of cinematography i know that you are gearing up for erotic film school in a couple weeks which i will be attending and i've been telling all the listeners about (laughs) i know me too it sounds like you've got a whole bunch of people enrolled Yes, we do. Um, I think that we're going to have double the students this year than we have uh, since our, our first year. This is our third year doing the the full three-day program, although I've, I've been teaching DIY porn workshops and um, smaller versions, like one-day intensives, um, for a long time. I think back in 2007 was the first DIY porn workshop that I, that I taught. Um, so it's, it's come a long way since then. And, um, yeah, I'm extremely excited to see, um, so many people very, um, interested in the, in the program. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing to see how it's grown. Oh my God. I'm, I am just like, I'm so excited to actually get my hands on to, to learn some of these skills, but I'm also so excited to just like see who's in the room and hear people's ideas and connect with all of these incredible creatives. And then of course the lineup of speakers that you have looks phenomenal. And I'm just like, I'm like drooling at the opportunity to get, to get there and actually do this. It's, it's amazing the, um, the diversity of the students and what inspires them to take the course. Um, some people are coming in as sex educators, others as uh, performance artists or video artists. Um, some people are coming from uh, kink or poly or queer communities and, and simply want to see um, more of the way they identify and their sexuality and their gender represented better in um, erotic film and pornography. Um, Last year, we had uh, a student with a theater background who was a um, uh, a, a Shakespearean historian, and um, he was interested in making bardcore um, films. (laughs) Um, And he wrote a book about how incredibly sexual Shakespeare and his writing is and how we often... um, gloss over a lot of the very dirty details because we're lacking an understanding of what Shakespeare actually meant. So he, he's very dedicated to bringing that, the, the, the raunchiness of Shakespeare, uh, to, to film. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, there's a a lot of different people coming for different reasons, all very passionate, um, about, Uh, creating new film and showing a new perspective of erotic film. I know that between the DIY porn handbook, which anybody who's interested at all in filming erotic film or porn, whether it's just for yourself or to actually like produce for others need to get this book. And then you created this three day intensive um, certification program of erotic film school. And I'd love to know, like you've put so much of yourself into your DIY porn workshops and now the film school, and then this really comprehensive book. And, and what is it about DIY porn and teaching others how to create is so important to you? 
for for me, all of all of my um, artistry, all of all of what I've done as far as within within porn and creating an art gallery and activism um, in theater, um, very little of it has come from any formal training. It's it's mostly been all DIY. Um, seeing that there's a lack of something and working with others um, to create resources and to create change and to create um, dialogue so that we um, can largely uh, change the world. <laughs> um, yeah. Smash uh, sexual shame and, and um and stigma around sexuality and bodies um, so that uh, we're able to en enjoy ourselves better, connect with, um, with others, have healthier relationships um, to our own bodies and to other people. Um, you know, I mean, I, I feel like sexual shame affects so many different things um, in in politics and in our society mm. and it's really damaging um and so it's so very important to to advocate for that and um and for us to to get over that um sexual stigma and create healthy environments to talk about sex um and i can't just do that alone you know um and there's no reason for me to uh <laughs> to be the only person doing that so I want to empower others mm -hmm. to, I, I can't tell everybody's story. The best thing that I can do is, is find my own honest truth and put that out there mm -hmm. and hold space for other people to tell their stories. But, um, you know, part of that holding space is giving resources like the DIY porn handbook and erotic film school. Um, so sharing those resources so others can tell their story um, and show greater diversity of, of bodies, gender, um, sexuality, desire. And I feel like we need that now more than ever. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that's so beautiful to me around, like, DIY porn, feminist porn, ethical porn is, you know, it's it's personal stories with personal aesthetics, and it allows us to center, like, female gaze and queer gaze and 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 have this rich dialogue. And at the same time, it's also a very political activist-y thing to do of like smashing the patriarchy and telling new stories about how genders can relate and how bodies can look. And so I love that you're creating a platform where people feel invited to kind of step into the role of activist and storyteller. I think it's really powerful. Absolutely. You know, I mean, the, the book, it's entitled DIY Porn Handbook, Documenting Our Own Sexual Revolution. And um, someone was re reviewing the, the book recently and um, and mentioned how I uh, am consistently referring to porn as documenting our own, you know, sexuality. And I really see it as that, you know, it's like porn is one of the only artistic mediums in which we have um, documentation, graphic documentation of um, of sex. Um, and so it's so important for us to add an authenticity there and not simply um, uh, perpetuate this idea of, okay, what do we assume the viewers want to see and, sh and, and creating um, this artificial um, idea of what sex looks like and perpetuating that false idea mm -hmm. um, instead, like really showing something authentic in whatever that means. You've had such an incredible journey as an activist and a creator and a filmmaker, and you have so much experience both performing and directing. And from the time that you first started creating pornography and being a part of, you know, erotic imagery as activism to now, what for you has changed around either your aesthetic or the way you tell story or has it changed? Has it just gotten stronger as you've, as you've gone on your journey? Like what was it like in the beginning compared to now? 
Mm-hmm. Um, oh, well, you know, I, I, I entered into erotic film as, as a performer. Um, and I, I had a, uh, I went to college um, and a performing arts school as a, a theater major. So I had a theater and performing background. Um, and then in 2002, um, I started working in erotic film as a performer. And um, it it first originated as a way for me to fund my feminist art gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I quickly understood that um, I was like, okay, this is, you know, something that um, that I, I enjoy, I, I think is, is amazing for me to be able to document orgasms and find my sexuality in front of, of the lens. It was something I really enjoyed. Um, but, um, I, I have a hard time doing anything, um, in a small way. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I quickly saw that porn was not only this, uh, funding source for the gallery, but was this amazing platform um, to talk about sex, to talk about gender, to talk about feminism, um, and simply by being authentic. And, and and that could mean as little as, I mean, you know, some of the roles that I've played are very fantastical, but being honest in your sexuality so having even genuine um, orgasms, um, there's a, a, I have a, a one woman show that premiered last year and um, one of the lines in it was that it, it talks about like how um, in mainstream porn, the, um, the director of a mainstream porn would say in 10 seconds, you know, I, I want for you to fake an orgasm and then the, the performer, he's going to come on your face or mm-hmm. come on your tits. And, you know, I told him, I was like, well, give me 10 seconds. I'll have a real orgasm. And then he could come on my tits. <laughs> and I said, and that's feminism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, um, it, like demanding space to have an authentic orgasm. Like, and I can do that on demand. Like, just, just give me the time, you know. 10 seconds is what you want to give me. All right. I'll work with that. You know, <laughs> but, but what I put on, 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 uh, the camera, what that camera captures is going to be real. Mm-hmm. I, I may have missed the question. No, <laughs> I love it. You know, I, I, I wanted to oh, know what I your think? journey had been, but I love right. that. Like right. you're just talking about being radically real. And if you're real in the beginning and you're real now, like it's just basically getting to see your journey as an artist kind of unfold. Yes, yes. And so I guess the the thing that is has changed the most is just my life and reflection of where I am in my sexuality at that moment. Um, And that goes for um, filmmaking, porn, my writing. Um, You know, I I, it was very important for me to document um, my sexuality during pregnancy, and then in postpartum. And, um, and I mean, I, I started doing this when I was 21 years old and I'm now 36. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, all of my entire twenties are on film, <laughs> um, and, and, and well into my thirties as well. So, um, you know, a lot I've changed mm-hmm. during that time. My body has changed where I am in my life has changed. And I, I think that um, it's important to document that span um, of, of how, how, we, how we change. Um, and that um, when you're pregnant, your sexuality still exists. You still have sex, what that's like, how our bodies change, um, what it's like to have sex after having a child. Um, that just because you become a mother doesn't mean that um, our um, sexual desire disappears, um, but how that can morph. Um, so, um, yeah, all of those things have informed my 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 art and the uh, the film, uh, my filmmaking experience. I'm so glad you brought up motherhood and 
sexuality and kind of your sexual journey through being pregnant and now as a mom. Um, a lot of my listeners are either super kinky or kink curious and kind of trying to find the courage to try stuff. And um, I'd love it if we could just kind of start with some basics and then dive a little bit more into your experiences. But you've written extensively about being a submissive from your book, Daddy, a Memoir, to your contribution to The Ultimate Guide to Kink and so many other things. And I would love it if you could share with everyone kind of what what submission means to you and the way that you've lived as a submissive. Oh, well, um, my submission has definitely is something, well, being a submissive is part of my identity. It's, it's part of who I am. Um, and, um, what that looks like in actuality has changed quite a bit over the years. Um, and, um, me and my, and my, my partner, my dominant, my husband and (laughs) co-parent, we have a lot of different roles that we, that we balance. Um, and, um, you know, when we, when we, first started our, our very first, um, dominant submissive agreement. Um, we, we were much more, um, almost 24 seven. We, we, we had, um, we definitely tried it out kind of 24 seven for a while and then had, um, uh, days and hours in which I would be in service um, to him. And that could mean a lot of different things that, that could mean, um, writing an essay on submission or, um, doing service for the community or, um, uh, practicing my flogging so that I could be a service top for him in one of his films. You know, it could, it could mean a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Um, and really submission for me, it's, it's about service. Um, and the joy of serving another, another person and expecting nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and absolute surrender and service to not only this individual, but to something larger to, um, a kink culture to a leather culture to, um, that entire community and that history. Um, so it's, uh, not just about that individual, but serving the whole as well through this, this individual. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Um, so for me, that's, that's, my core of what submission is and then how, you know, that, that definitely has, um, right now I, I have, um, a four month old and a child about to turn six. So, um, you know, 24 hours submission is not happening (laughs) and often my services to my children currently, um, and uh, my service to my dominant, um, to my um, to my partner, to my daddy, is within um, what I call containers. You know, we um, we we build a container, a scene, uh, a set time for that for that exchange. It might be um, at a play party. It might be after the kids have gone to bed. Um, sometimes we will earmark that container with, um, with kind of a call and response we've used before of, of like, fetch my slippers, you know, <laughs> fetch my slippers slut. And then if I'm like, mm, not right now, daddy, <laughs> or I will fetch the slippers and be like, yes, sir. Um, and, um, you know, so both people have to agree upon the, the time and everyone has different, I'm, it might be on a day where I'm way too depleted. Um, 
it's important for us to fill our individual vessel um, with nourishment and uh, love and energy and self-care for us to um, gift that, that love and service to our dominant, to our community, um, and to all the people that we care about. Mm. I love that you've gone on this journey with um, what it what it means to act out your submission and the way that, that you incorporate it into your relationship. So it's like this living, breathing thing that's now incorporated pregnancies and children and, and of course, the super busy lives that you lead. And um, I would love to know for, for the moms and the parents that are listening out there, you know, what would be kind of your number one advice for when you have kids and you're just endlessly exhausted and rushed, how can you maintain just that, that little fire of erotic connection um, when life seems so busy and overwhelming? Yeah, it can be very, very tricky, but um, <laughs> especially be kind to yourself mm-hmm. is really my, my first and foremost, be kind and be gentle to yourself. Um, because especially in new motherhood, that, that first year is really tough and, um, requires a a lot of energy. So in getting through that, it's really important to that self-care. It comes back to, to really filling that vessel and, um, um, sorting out what your needs are and you won't be able to, um, likely fulfill those needs in the same way that you did pre-child. <laughs> um, you know, um, self-care for you may have looked like monthly massages and getting your nails done every week or, you know, um, going to the, the sauna once a week with your girlfriends or something. Um, and it might just look like having um, a bath, <laughs> having someone <laughs> hold your baby while you take um, a 10 minute shower, mm-hmm. um, with your favorite shower gel or something, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, something that, uh, feels good to you. Um, reconnecting with your own body, touching your own body, masturbation, mm-hmm. um, even in like in the shower, or the bath, great, great place to just like reconnect with your body, but, um, reconnecting with, with your own sexuality first, um, in your own body and giving love to your body because our bodies really morph and change a lot during, um, pregnancy and into postpartum, um, and, um, having a sense of acceptance and love of who we are and how we are in our bodies in this moment and knowing that everything changes, um, and will continue to change that this is not forever. I feel like that acceptance and love of ourselves is essential in our connection with our partners. Um, and um, in, in finding time, um, sometimes it's sharing a sitter, making time for, for date nights, even if it's like ideally once a, it, once a week, but at the beginning, it might only be like once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, finding time for each other, just even to, to snuggle up, to massage each other's feet, um, to have an adult conversation, uh, to touch each other, to kiss each other, to make out, really just um, physically and emotionally connecting and staying connected with with your partner. And a lot of that is also communication about what your needs are, where you're, where you're feeling that you are emotionally, because sometimes we don't know that our, um, what our needs are until we're so depleted. And that can be a scary place to be. Mm -hmm. It's really important to, to articulate those needs and then work together to see how those needs can be met. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm not a parent, but I am definitely um, the type of person who just like 
pushes and works and runs and does. And then all of a sudden I hit that wall of just like everything feels like it's crumbling and everything feels like an emergency. And it's because I've, I've gone to the point where I'm like past being able to care for myself. And that's when I really have to practice that kindness of like, it's okay to just ask for the tiniest things to start kind of building some of those reserves back up before you can really like do more exciting things. But yeah, just like finding the words to say like, I just need five minutes for by myself or whatever it is. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So essential. Yeah, I used to do that with my work as 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 well. <laughs> Just you know, it's like I, I used to do when I I haven't driven in like sixteen years since I I moved to the Bay Area, but I used to do that with my car as well. Like I would always I'd be like, oh, I can go so far past empty. I know that I can that the car <laughs> will still run if I go this much past the the E. It's okay. I don't have to stop yet. And I'd like just ride the car until the last drop of gas <laughs> and then like call triple A. Yes. Um, and I feel like I did that to my body as well when I was um, in the midst of balancing a full-time porn career and a gallery um, and traveling two to three weeks out of a month. You know, it was, it was uh, a lot. And I think that I, I was always going past the, um, past the E, past empty. Um, And and actually children have have balanced me out quite a bit in that uh, respect because I must take care of myself in order to to take care of them. Yeah. yeah. So I know that you are working on a new book that, from what I read, was a guide to mindfulness and connection through BDSM, and it's called Surrender. And I am so excited about this project. So I'd love to hear what it's about and, and kind of what you're birthing with this. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about it as well. It's, um, I, let's see, when, what, when did I start doing this, this workshop? Probably back in around 2005, I started doing a, a workshop called the Zen Submissive. Um, and it, uh, brought in a lot of mindfulness exercises into how we address and connect in in BDSM. Um, So bringing in um, uh, visualization, um, breath, how to move energy through our body, um, utilizing breath, how to um, gift and receive energy um, through a through a spanking, through a flogging, um, and then that uh, Zen submissive workshop um, expanded into a two day intensive where I really took couples into um, deep into um, meditation, utilizing meditation in our in our practice and BDSM, gifting each touch each um each spanking each um strike of the cane with intention and really inhaling that energy and and giving it a color giving it a shape and sending it to somewhere in our bodies um and um and really working with that energy Mm -hmm. um creating orgasmic um tantric like energy um, in our bodies, um, through, um, through impact play, through, um, through, through dominance and submission, um, through bondage. So, um, this book is, is taking a lot of that information that I share in that intensive and, uh, bringing it out into the world. Mm. That sounds so delicious. I like, (laughs) I know for me, like being flogged is definitely like an active meditation where Mm -hmm. everything becomes very like singular and present and all the mind noise completely goes away. And it's just like this repetitious, beautiful connection to like my body, the moment, the movement and my partner. Yes. And so I love this concept (laughs) of like, intention. And I also really like what you're saying about like directing the sensation and the feelings to a part of your body and actually being able to like move that. That sounds really powerful. 
Yeah, and even with the implements, you know, I mean, if it's a hand, if it's a cane, if it's a paddle, if it's a flogger, like really connecting with, I, it's, it's like the, it's a, it's whatever is, is um, the element which the energy is flowing through is like this conduit, right? It's a conduit for, for energy. And so connecting with it and like thinking about like what intentions are being set um, in that scene and with this implement, really inhaling and breathing in that, that, that implement um, that's connecting the two of you or more of you. So um, I think that the, uh, when we're able to give, kind of slow things down and give some mindfulness to um, the scene and the way that we're connecting, there's a whole nother level of, of depth and, um, and where we can really go in our, in our scene um, and, and with each other, um, much deeper connections. And the title to me is so erotic and delicious of just this word of surrender. And I'd love to know, like, what does surrender mean to you? Similar to submission, really um, giving ourselves over to something bigger than ourselves, um, to this scene. Um, so letting go, just letting go of everything and, and um, opening up our heart, um, just like ripping open our body, our heart, everything, you know, and, and, and not just the submissive doing that, not just, it's like all these layers of who we are or who we think we are, um, just tearing all that away and the core of our being being exposed with this other individual or other individuals, depending on how many people are, are in the scene. But, um, you know, just that, that rawness being um, so vulnerable and exposed and letting everything else go. So that the, the, the slightest thing is so tender, you know, so, so tender and lovely. And I, I think something that, that doesn't get discussed enough is that, that the dominant it can be doing that as well, that in a, a really deep scene, they are, that person is, the, the dominant is, is also really exposing so much and opening so deeply um so in the in the book i address that as well not just from um uh for the submissive but also for for dominance um and um so that can be a really rich uh and meaningful connection for everyone i love i love those moments of just kind of that like raw vulnerable. We don't really know how deep we're going to go, but we're just like going there together kind mm -hmm. of energy. And, um, and I know that can be really scary for, I mean, it's scary for me, which is part of why I like it, but I think there's like scary, Ooh, let's do it. And then there's scary. I don't know if I can share myself in that way. And I wonder if you have any tips for people for whom, like surrender and being vulnerable in a, in an intense, like either kink scene or even just sexually might, might feel a little too scary. Like what's a good starting point do you think for people to start that path to surrender? I think that the, the key element is, um, communication. So, um, really, <clears throat> um, in, in one of the chapters I discuss, um, creating, um, our, our containers. So really, um, creating a safe space for, for that surrender, right? We have to feel relaxed and comfortable and, um, uh, and, and really safe. So creating a safe space, a safe container for everyone in that container to be able to to let go and open up. Um, and um, it, it, much of that happens with communication, with negotiation, talking about um, expectations um, 
and what what both parties really desire. Um, constructing the scene together as equals, creating that container together as equals before stepping inside that container together. Um, I, I think um, that is the way to like really build that trust and to feel safe enough to really go there. Yeah. Um, of course, utilizing safe words and having communication um, in place and knowing that maybe you're not even um, going to a super intense place physically, but that um, it's really important to have and to use safe words um, emotionally as well Mm -hmm. when we reach um, places where we might need to stop, take a breath. And then that is part of being a great communicator and building trust is being able to use our communication tools, being able to use our um, safe words. I think that um, when I was a, a young submissive, I <clears throat> I thought, you know, I'm so badass, I never <laughs> need to use a safe word, you know? Um, but um, it's, it's as, I, as the years went by, I learned how important it was to be an, a really good communicator, to know my body, to know myself, um, and that that allowed me to actually go to deeper levels with different dominants and to, um, to last longer in a scene, because sometimes it's not about calling the scene, sometimes it's just about checking in or adjusting things, either um, physically or, or um, navigating the scene in a different way. I'm so glad you said safe words and kind of like your emotional, psychological space, because I think a lot of submissives, like I know I have done this, of, of thinking that the safe word was about my physical limits mm-hmm. and trying to mentally kind of talk myself out of discomfort or, or telling myself like my body can take more, even if kind of like my internal landscapes feeling a little off and, and giving permission that like, you might be able to take another 10 whip strikes or, you know, 50 more paddles. But if inside you're feeling discomfort and you're not connecting or you're feeling um, like you need something else emotionally, like that's also what those safe words need to be used for. Cause that's where that depth and that surrender comes from. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm wondering, I know that you have experienced amazing things over the course of your professional and your personal life. And you have tried just things that a lot of people can't even imagine trying and you've gone these incredible places. And, um, when you think about the act of surrendering, like, is there, is there a memory or a moment that really kind of comes up for you when you think about that, 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 um, you'd be willing to share with us like a favorite moment of surrender or submission? One of, one of many that um, is actually documented is is my training um, with 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 uh, Mr. Mogul, with James, my daddy, um, <laughs> on uh, training of O um, when I did that, um, and I, I write about that experience as well in in my book, Daddy, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, it was very interesting to to share that with. <laughs> with the camera, but it was our, our real life training, um, and real life, um, uh, working on our very first, um, uh, DS agreement and my collaring. And there were a lot of emotions. There were so many emotions going on, um, between me and, and James at that Point and in that space of the armory and, um, and a, an immense amount of um, uh, courage and trust that both of us were exposing ourselves in front of the camera and in this really tender place mm. um, and going to some really deep places. Um, there's a, a, a whipping scene in there. Um, 
in in which he's he's whipping me and just like so many of those layers had disappeared and had been um, had been ripped away and I was I was so tender and felt so connected and so full of love like my my heart was just like bursting and um and I told him I was like I'm I'm gonna cry <laughs> you know and I was like smiling like I, my chest was out and I was like I was like smiling and I was I was like tears were, were just about to like run down my face because I was like so full of emotion I, I told him that and so they 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 used to at least have a um, <clears throat> have a, a rule about no crying on 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 film at um, on at kink.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was mostly to to not go past a, a, a point for for um, they didn't want to show distress. Mm-hmm. And James said, "Go there. I want you to go there." You know, we were like we were still in the scene and and. And, and I just like let it out. And I just, I said, thank you. Thank you, my love. Like, thank you, sir. And, and just had tears running down me in this huge smile ear to ear. Like, and it was, it was just such a loving, beautiful moment in my life. Um, and, um, you know, Peter ended up keeping it. He was like, if we're going to do tears, this is exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know and uh yeah so that was that was definitely uh a moment of absolute surrender and connection that I that I think of and I feel so very blessed to have that on to look back on yeah to, um it's it's so nice it's uh documenting so much of my sexuality I'm really able to to look back on these scenes like a, a a beautiful photo album of my sexuality and um my sexual self and and see these these really nice moments of of growth and and change um yeah so that's, that's one of the nice parts about <laughs> being in front of the camera yeah, I was just thinking to myself, like when I think back on some of my favorite moments, those those only exist in my head. And to to have an opportunity to actually watch that back, both on your own and with James and with others, and and to just kind of have that memory living on in a in a very visual, real way is such an extraordinary thing. Yeah, and for entire different generations. Like I'm, I'm now realizing it's very interesting aging in this um, profession. <laughs> uh, because I mean, I, I'll talk to folks and they'll be like, "Oh, you, you really inspired me watching that. I remember watching that training when I was like a teenager." <laughs> what? 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 How old are you? you know? <laughs> be like in their 20s now mm-hmm. and um and knowing that that folks you know saw this material that inspired or helped shape their sexuality when they were a teenager is um very a very interesting experience <laughs> like wow okay i i forgot like i'm i'm getting older i'm not that same age <laughs> You have all of these new experiences now that you get to share and create around. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I would love it if you could tell everybody how they can find out more about you and your books and the Erotic Film School and stay in touch with you. Sure. So the best way to see all of the ongoings that I have happening is to go to madisonyoung.org org as an orgasm and that has all of the things um on there i try to keep it as up to date as possible um also um daddy the is where you can find out more about daddy my memoir and 
Um, if you are interested in the Erotic Film School, there are still a few spots available. Um, and you can go to eroticfilmschool.com um, to apply. Well, listeners know that the moment I get home from film school, I'm going to be recording everything that happened and sharing with them all of the deliciousness that I learned and dreamt of and experienced. So hopefully that will inspire a whole new group of of budding filmmakers and artists for next year's round. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on Sex Gets Real, Madison. It was such a delight to have you sharing all of your wisdom and your stories and your adventures. I loved it so much. Thank you so much for having me, John. Yeah. And to all of the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, you can go to sexgetsreal.com to find all of Madison's links. And I will also be linking to all of her books and the film school. So you can check that out. If you've got any questions for me about this episode or anything you'd like me to cover in the future, you can use the contact form. Don't forget, Sex Gets Real also has a Patreon. So if you want to help support me to continue doing the show, pop over to patreon.com slash sexgetsreal. Until next week, this is Don Sarah. Bye. <laughs>